banking, you've got so much data. We have more data on our customers and clients than any other industry because we have the behavioral data from how you spend your money, how you're saving your money, where are you buying your homes, those types of things. And being able to really stitch together a profile to know the client better and to be able to better serve them is going to be critical. So the CDP with bringing together the zero, first, second, third party data and creating those profiles to then feed through into your CRM systems and into the marketing engine really, I think, puts you ahead of the game. Data is what everybody wants and really what is making the world go round today, especially from a marketer standpoint. If you use the data right, you're really looking at how do you help the customer move forward and what are their life goals and how do you better lead them or encourage them to what's next. Hello and welcome to Good Data, Better Marketing, the ultimate guide to driving customer engagement. Today's episode features an interview with Aaron Pryor, Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at First Horizon Bank. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Twilio Segment. In today's digital-first economy, being data-driven is no longer aspirational. It's necessary. Find out why over 20,000 businesses trust Segment to enable personalized, consistent, real-time customer experiences by visiting segment.com. Back in the day, banks relied heavily on personal, local relationships. Clients walked into physical branches. They knew the people there. If you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life, you know what I'm talking about. Today, the world is way bigger, way flatter, and the personal interactions you have with businesses are shifting more and more online. In fact, according to Forbes, 76% of Americans use mobile apps for banking these days. With this transition from the physical world to the digital, how do banks understand what their customers need? It's not exactly a low-stakes industry, and personalization continues to be super important to build consumer trust. That's where, you guessed it, data comes in. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Aaron Pryor, Executive Vice President of First Horizon. Want to know how banks are maintaining that human-to-human connection? Stick around to find out. Aaron. Thanks again for being here. Really appreciate you being on on the podcast today. Good to see you again. Love to kick off to learn a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. I know you've been at First Horizon for a little bit, but what's your career background and story? I always laugh when I tell people this story because honestly, if you would have asked me 10, 11, 12 years ago, if I would have worked in banking, I would have laughed and been like, no way. I just didn't see myself in the financial services industry. I started my career in publishing, really in editorial. My first couple of positions out of college were with the New York Times and Sports Illustrated. And then I did PR for a quick stint with CBS. And then I got into magazines and I worked for a company that had, I played volleyball in college. And so they had a volleyball magazine uh, and a surfing and some other sports, which was really fun. And then out of the blue, I was offered a position with a startup bank and the CEO and I met, we hadn't started yet. He was still officially getting the charter together. And we met and and he asked my background and I had moved to New York. I told my parents out of college, I was either going to go play volleyball professionally or I was going to live in New York City. They were like, oh, okay. And so I ended up getting an apartment in New York before my contract to go overseas and play volleyball came through. And I told my parents, I was like, I'm selling my car and I'm either going to run out of money 
and come home or I'm going to stay in New York. So Stephen Gordon, who had started Opus Bank, he thought that that was pretty brave and had a similar story. He had been a, a Wall Street guy, an investment banker in New York. And so he offered one person or sometimes two when he started new ventures who didn't know banking to come in and learn his way of banking. And it was just such an interesting opportunity. So I decided to do it. So Opus was a startup bank based in California. I started before it was an actual entity and I was hired on to be the management trainee. And I learned the business. I rotated under all the lines of business. And then ultimately a few months in, Stephen hired a gentleman named Brad Davis, who had been the chief marketing officer at Washington Mutual. And Brad always says, make sure everybody knows well before it crashed. So he was there, helped build it from 30 billion, Washington Mutual from 30 billion to 300 and left in advance of what ultimately happened to them in the crash. And so he came on board and I rotated underneath him and it was lightning in a bottle. He just has the best energy. He was so storied in his career. He'd been on the cover of Ad Age and others. And he offered me a position to work directly for him. And together, I worked side by side with him building that brand for about six years. And then ultimately went on to a fintech that sold to Goldman Sachs. And then I went to USAA. I was fascinated by a company that had only been digital, right? They were digital before digital was a thing. And so I was there doing the retail bank for a while and then ultimately landed here at First Horizon a little over a year and a half ago. So it's been exciting. It's not what I would have expected back in the day, but it's been really exciting. That's so interesting to hear. And one of the things that I think I'm interested in learning a little bit more about is starting in journalism. Careers are curvy. I love to hear about curvy careers because I think that everybody kind of has like a little bit of that story in them. Is there anything that you learned in journalism that now you're using in banking? And then also very curious to hear a little bit about startup bank versus now some of the a bigger retail experience. Any kind of like comparisons that you see between those two different kind of career experiences? I really think you pull a little bit of everything in your background in. I believe being an athlete, like a college athlete, I bring a lot of that forward. People ask me all the time, I think time management, you know, you got a little bit of that competitive spirit in there. There's just a lot of great things you learn as an athlete. From my journalism career, it is a skill knowing how to write. I had had a few leaders before tell me, you can tell that you know how to write. And I do think there's something to be said for that, whether it's crafting a really great email or putting together a presentation. But I think that's been really helpful, just knowing how to tell the story. And especially in marketing, when you're having to a lot of the time educate and bring people with you on the journey, being able to articulate that has been beneficial in my career. And from a startup to a more stable institution, not that the startups I worked for weren't, they definitely were maybe a more tenured institution. That's also been interesting. I I think there's a lot to bring forward. I love the entrepreneurial spirit. I love getting in and in, in advocating for change and to think in new ways. And I think you can do that in a lot of the tenured institutions if they are open to it. I think there's some frustrations there sometimes, but I don't think that's any different than anybody experiences regularly in large organizations. I, I think that's one of the things I carry with me the most is 
you know, how are we doing things? Is it the most efficient? Is it really where we need to be today? And if not, how do we get that entrepreneurial muscle and really flex it to lean into what's next? I think that one of the interesting things that I think is probably happening a lot in your industry and that I think probably takes a lot from the startup community is digital transformation. Banking right now is going through this massive shift and getting closer to the customer and ripping out legacy platforms. I'm curious to hear your take on a couple of the top trends that you're currently seeing in the banking industry. With banking, you've got so much data. We have more data on our customers and clients than any other industry because we have the behavioral data from how you spend your money, how you're saving your money, where are you buying your homes, those types of things. And being able to really stitch together a profile to know the client better and to be able to better serve them is going to be critical. So the CDP with bringing together the zero, first, second, third party data and creating those profiles to then feed through into your CRM systems and into the marketing engine really, I think, puts you ahead of the game. Data is what everybody wants and really what is making the world go round today, especially from a marketer standpoint. And I think the better we can get with our data, the stronger we're going to be from an organization and not in the creepy way. If you use the data right, you're really looking at how do you help the customer move forward and what are their life goals and how do you better lead them or encourage them to what's next, whether it's saving, whether it's buying a house, they're buying a house, it's getting them into the right loan, whatever it may be, right? Also, as you're looking at ROI from your marketing spend, there's just a lot of great things you can do when you put the data together. 100%. You're speaking my language right now. I'm wondering, what are some of the first use cases that you're excited to implement with your new CDP as you're starting to unify all of this data together? What does that look like? We had an opportunity to really mine our existing database to figure out where are the, the opportunities for our clients. And so we'd put together some journeys specifically in mortgage, private client, and we're also building some things on the commercial side. But I think with the first opportunity, the first use case is the mortgage journey. So how do we take what we've built? Right now, a lot of that is email utilize some of the CDP, utilize the various channels to surround sound the email, and then be able to see all the touches to better personalize the experience when the clients drive in. So we'll actually know when you've come to the site and you've looked at something, then we can help serve it up. What is the right content to make a better overall experience for the client, regardless of the channel? It just helps with that omni-channel view. So you're saying that the customer is going to touch all of these different points online, and then they're going to actually come in to a branch, perhaps, and interact with you. And you'll have all of that information ready for that interaction. So you have all of that context. Is that where we're headed? That's the long term. That's the long game. It's baby steps, right? So we got it implemented. We're working right now with some of the online touches that we have the capability. But ultimately, yes, if you're whether you're in person in a branch or you're online on the website or any wherever you are is where we want to interact with you. So we're not forcing you 
you know, into a channel, it really becomes channel of choice. And then we're able to articulate to you or to conversate with you in a more meaningful, real time way than maybe we have in the past. That's great. As somebody kind of interested in entering the mortgage market myself relatively soon, I can say that it definitely helps to know that banks are really thinking about adding that context in. I, I want to say I have had a poor experience with this when I had a form fill at a bank, won't name the bank, not First Horizon. And I basically raised my hand and I said, hey, help me out. And I didn't get any information on that, but I got information on another thing. So I'm hearing you when I'm saying like customer experience and all of those data points across all the different channels are super meaningful. How do you think that's going to impact your entire customer experience journey at First Horizon? I think it's critical. I think if done cohesively, it can make a huge impact. And when I say cohesive, you've got to get the CRM. I really believe that the CRM is the crux, is really the center of the the client experience because that's really showing you the interactions and not just you and me, the marketer, but also the banker, also the call center. So being able to see how the customer, where the customer is interacting and what they're looking to do to be able to give them a truly well-rounded experience And the data feeding into that is a critical piece because, like I said, you're stitching together all of the touches to really feed that engine. You're partnering between the CRM, all the data, plus the boots on the ground. You have to be really aligned with your line of business and sales teams to really see it into fruition. We talk a lot about that in the marketing team is We've got to find the advocates within the organization that are we can feed that are willing to take the data that we're sending or the leads or whatever it may be, right? As a marketer, we can drive in anything. It's a matter of is it quality over to me, it's quality over quantity, right? And then are your sales teams and the client facing bankers, are they willing to take those and push them forward? And how do we work together to ensure that that ecosystem is in place and functioning properly? Because if a a ball is dropped somewhere, whether it's a web to lead form and the lead falls on the ground, or if you're driving something in and the bankers have had a conversation with someone and then you send them to your point, something that is completely irrelevant, it just looks very disjointed. So I think it's critical in the customer experience. It's hand in hand. There's definitely a lot of places where things can go wrong in the customer experience journey when you're trying to build something that's super connected. And to your point, like channel of choice, you want to make sure you're meeting people where they're at in real time with the context fully built in. So I'm curious, what's the process for you as you're starting to build these connected experiences for your customers? You have to have that service level blueprint first. You have to understand what is the baseline experience. And great brands are built internally. Customer experience is a huge part of the brand, right? So if your baseline experience, your baseline operational blueprint has breaks in it, then your client experience or customer experience is going to be broken from the start. And so I think you've got to start with that service level experience And then you have to bring your partners with you on the journey. So as we build some of the marketing journeys, it's important to have product, line of business, some of our operational partners, digital partners, depending on what it is, what that experience is. As we build those up, our journeys, then we've got to have the right people at the table. And then it's test and learn. I think 
today, we have such an opportunity, especially with the technology that we have, the data that we have to be able to do test and learn. I think that's so critical in marketing, even if it's the subject line or is it a channel, there's just a lot of opportunity there. I think the other piece is automation. So a big p a big component of a lot of things we talked about with the CDP and even your CRM, like it's like acronym soup, but you've got all these different things, but they really help you with the automation. And I think that's where we've been talking a lot with our sales partners and our client-facing banking partners. We also have an opportunity to help them do what they do best. Let them go out, meet with clients, be face-to-face. That's the value. We have really great people and really great bankers who bring that advice and counsel to the clients real-time, face-to-face. What we can be doing as marketers and as an organization, we can be supporting them through automation and doing some of those journeys that are triggered touches based on the data that we have. So it really all flows together. It's the whole totality of the experience from marketing through the conversion, whatever the conversion of the client is, whatever line of business or product or channel they're in, into the loyalty and retention. We can stitch all of that together, utilizing the data and help make everybody's day jobs easier. So our bankers aren't over there copy and pasting things into tons of emails. They can just go do what they do really well. So I think if you look at it, again, it goes back to the totality and the holistic map of what is it you want to achieve. There's a huge opportunity bringing all of that to the table. I think what's really interesting is this kind of trend and maybe this has always been a trend, but I feel like it's come up a lot in the past five years, maybe is chief customer officers, customers as being like the focal point to unify everybody within the organization around one single metric or something. So a lot of what you were just talking about is bringing teams together, bringing quant and qual data together, making sure it's all speaking to each other. I guess this is a bit existential. So pre-apologies for the existential crisis question in the middle of this, but how do you define marketing versus customer experience? Like what's that evolution been in your eyes? I think it's a great question. And I think that's something a lot of organizations ask. I, I would say struggle, but I don't think it's a struggle. Marketing has always had to have the client at the center of the table or in a client top of mind. Because as you're going out and trying to understand who the the customer is, how do you drive new business? How are people thinking? How do you message everybody? I think you've always thought about what are the segments? What are the demographics? What are the behavioral, the qual and the quant that go together with that? I think now getting that broader end-to-end and bringing the organization around the same ideology maybe is there? I don't even know if that's the right word, but the same methodology even around client being at the center. I think it couldn't be better. And I don't think that it has to be one or the other. I think they work together. So in our organization, I have marketing and I have client experience. So we have a client experience team who's also focused on some of the innovation. How do we get our end-to-end process? Not from necessarily business engineering or process engineering, but how are our processes, like I mentioned, those operational processes working together. So then you can make that client experience superlative with additional touches, but you got to make sure like I said, your baseline's good first. And that includes from before they're even touched by us at all, whether it's marketing all the way into retention. So I I think it's 
I think it's critical that the company in totality thinks that way. We also set up an insights group that looks at, does a lot of the research. So from brand tracker all the way through segmentation into client satisfaction, MPS, all of that works together. You can take any piece of data and tell a story, but most of the time it's multiple pieces of data that actually tell the true story. And so I think connecting with that macro qualitative with the labs and other things that our CX group does with more client facing a little bit, some of the micro really gives you the totality of the story. And then with that, then you look at the the quantitative and a lot of times the qualitative, the insights are going to give you the leading indicator and the qualitative some uh, most times becomes the lagging. So for instance, if you do have a major issue, you don't want to wait until you're seeing outflow or you're seeing something that's hitting you from a financial standpoint. You want to get out front of that if there's a problem so that you can kind of know like, hey, we're hearing these things. And so we may need to do something to retain XYZ, whatever that problem may be. So I think the insights and the customer experience, I think they're critical in today's realm of marketing and and just business in general. I think in great companies really know their customers well. I think what you just said about your insights group and lagging and leading indicators as it relates to qualitative and quantitative data is super key to double click in on. And I'm actually, I'm curious to to learn a little bit more about some of that is, are there any insights maybe that you've gained from one of these focus groups that you're gaining more qualitative data in that might've surprised you? Like, how did that feel when you might've realized some of these, this information that you have your leading indicator with the quantitative data, but the qualitative data it might be saying something a little bit different. There's two instances. One is at first rise and one is not. We are currently wrapping up some research. There were some dissenting opinions, if you will, internally around a specific topic. And I, I went to the team and said, hey, let's, rather than sitting here and pontificating and taking small pieces from here and small pieces from here and, and everywhere else and trying to make assumptions, we can actually put together a statistically relevant perspective on our point of view on what's going on. And so we are wrapping up the research. We did an internal survey around the bankers who are on the front lines around this particular topic. We did a client survey specific to this line of business clients that were impacted by this topic. And then with our business partners looking at the quantitative pieces, have we seen certain flags that would go up around whether it be accounts or other variables there? And that together is giving a perspective. And what is interesting is it wasn't really one or the other. It's a little bit in the middle. There's a bit of a gray area. And so all the opinions are right in their own way, but we're really getting to the heart of the matter. And again, it's internal too, because like I said, great brands are built internally. If your employees are unhappy or not delivering a great client experience face-to-face, doesn't matter how much you drive in, how much you spend, what great products you have, it's just not going to be the same. We're still wrapping up, but leading the early output I've seen is interesting because it's going to be in the middle. And I think it's going to surprise some of the groups we're working with. The other one was really at when I was with my former employer, which I came from USAA, 
And we did a lot of, of research around Gen Z and millennials. And I still find it, and I, I haven't seen anything recently as of late, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same, was that group, I assumed, would just want to interact digitally. And they wouldn't want to go into a branch. But a lot of times physical presence, brick and mortar, is a factor when they were choosing an institution. And so I still am surprised. I don't know if that is still true today, but when I was looking at that research a couple of years ago, I was like, really? I I was just surprised. So I think you can always learn from the clients and, and learn from that research. Listen to your customer. I mean, I think that's like a perfect example is I'm shocked. Call me shocked right now. I I would have never guessed that Gen Zers might be interested or hand raising and saying, yes, I'd like a branch. I'm wondering if that has anything to do with hybrid and everybody being online so often right now that everybody's craving just like being in person again. That makes me think about segmentation a little bit. I'm wondering if you have any examples that you might be able to provide. I'm assuming you have quite different clientele from somebody that might be a little bit later in life to a Gen Zer perhaps opening their first account. What would an example look like of a different segmentation and then what that client journey might look like at First Horizon with some of the um, customer data that you're putting together? I mentioned I set up the Insights Group probably about eight months ago. They've been putting the research in, it takes a few months. Sometimes it's hard to be patient because you really just want to know, but you have to give the research the wear in. And they've done a lot of work around segmentation and looking at how some of that breaks out by product or by line of business. I think the best example that encompasses really a lot of what we talked about already, including the segmentation, would be onboarding practices. So, you get your account and then you come in and it's what happens after, right? Are you going to download the app? Are you going to set up your bill pay, direct deposit, all those things, right? And it's also, there's other things you can do too, if you're a small business or a commercial. So we have done a lot of work implementing the journeys for onboarding. That is an automated triggered approach, utilizing the data within the CRM But also, you can segment that journey depending on, is it a private client? Is it a small business? So being able to break those out, I think the next step for us is really what you were saying earlier. Is there an opportunity to message differently based on demographic or based on whether it's Gen Z and millennial or whatever. I think really where we have opportunity and I'm excited to continue to lean in here as we get better, like we have to learn every day, right? We're still learning every day and testing into things. But banking is also really about advice. It's people's money. It's a serious topic. You don't want to mess around with your money. And again, when I laugh about people saying I never would have worked in banking, I also find it incredibly rewarding because you have an opportunity to really be a part of people's lives in some meaningful way, an impactful way. So whether they're saving for child to go to college, maybe they want to buy a car or a home, or they're starting a business, or they're looking to grow their business in some way, there's a lot of opportunity for us to segment based on life stage. And also, I think some of that behavioral data that we can tell. And like I mentioned, we've gotten those three or four onboarding journeys. A couple of them are off and running. A couple of them are still in build. But I think as we 
continue to learn into them and take the insights and get that data aligned so that we really understand and and have a better understanding of where they are. I think we have a huge opportunity to really be impactful with our communication and be relevant to where the client feels like we're there to support, not just their banker is 100% there to support all the time, but then how do we help that banker and also help that client? I think there's a huge opportunity and we're still realizing it. As somebody who used to run a customer marketing team, which for some reason also had customer education under it, don't ask me why, but exactly that. Focusing on onboarding and making sure that every single person and definitely like persona base at the very least is getting unique onboarding materials because everybody's needs are going to be different. I love that example. And onboarding is so critical to making sure that people are staying with you and happy with you. Those first 90 days, insanely impactful for actually retaining customers in the the long run. In SaaS, I'm sure in banking, you have stats around that as well. I'm also curious here a little bit about segmentation and kind of where you're going in the future. I'm wondering if there's any things that you're trying to answer with predictive analytics. There's tons of data, obviously, that you're gathering, and I'm sure that there's things that you're trying to look into with a crystal ball for the future. Are you thinking about predictive analytics at First Rise right now? And, And if so, what are some of those questions you're trying to answer? I love how all of this is interconnected. And so it goes back to, again, if you're looking at the ways that your customers or even prospects are interacting with you and what they're interacting with when it comes to content and really stitching that together, that is predictive. So if you've gone to the mortgage page, I'm just using this as an example again, because we were talking about a mortgage earlier. If you've gone to the mortgage page and maybe you've gotten an email that you interacted with certain content and in some of our other channels, if it's social or maybe you've called in, whatever it is, we obviously can tell that you're interested in a mortgage. It's also looking at how maybe somebody's looking to refi. And so have they done some of their spending habits or have they done certain things that we know like, oh, they're really focused on this. And it's not just around mortgage. You can do that in really all of the lines of business and product. We're working through that now. We've got a few of the early components off the ground. And again, it's it's that I think we'll, we will continue to evolve as we continue to evolve the work in the customer data platform and the CRM. Because again, it goes back to that's really where it all lives. I'm curious also, it can be about predictive analytics or anything else, but is there a company that you look to and you think to yourself, they're doing it right? There's a couple that come to mind. There's so many great experiences. I think today, like you mentioned earlier with the pandemic, it's that whole online, offline, you know, experience. It's that whole thing about how do people make you feel? How does the company make you feel when you interact with them? I recently had a great experience with Away. So I met their founder a long time ago. I, it's been years. I did a, a course at um, Wharton and she was a graduate and she was one of the speakers and, I, and the company was relatively new. And I was like, oh, I need one of those suitcases. Like I need that battery. So I've had their suitcases forever. But recently I bought um, a new one And I was traveling and it somehow got away. It crashed over and the handle like totally bent and you couldn't get it down and they had to break it off. So like I could actually get on the plane and I was like beside myself. I was like, great. I just bought this, you know, nice suitcase and it's totally broken. 
in a way, didn't even ask. They were like, oh, we just appreciate your loyalty to our company. And they sent me a brand new suitcase. I told them, I was like, it shouldn't have been, but I had to do this. And they were like, it's totally fine. Send it back. And you know what? I will buy another Away suitcase 100%. It was just that experience. And I also think they do a really great job online. I think they're one of the companies, you see them, Orby Parker. There's a couple of other ones that I think they started as solely digital brands, but they now have some brick and mortar because people do like to interact, I think, with the product and see it. So they've chosen some good markets. So I think they do it well. And I would definitely buy another suitcase. And this is not, I am not endorsed. By, I'm, not, I'm not being paid by Away. Just let me be clear here. Aaron, what's your Away code? I feel like you're maybe you're trying to get some uh, referral money right now, you know? <laughs> I also use Away and I've had the exact same experience. And that's the reason why I bought multiple suitcases from them. And I think that's right. One of the things that I, I love that you touched on too, is that yes, all of these kind of like digital innovators and disruptors have started online DTC. And now they're transitioning to small store concepts and they're really listening to their customer data in terms of where the people live and the way the design of the stores and how they want to interact and making sure that the checkout experience is optimized and all of these different things so that they are now opening up their channels away from just solely digital into physical. And it's interesting. I feel like they're probably learning a lot from banks, retailers, et cetera, who've been doing this forever too. So people are learning from each other at this point, which is interesting. I'm curious if you have any advice that you might give yourself to a younger self, a younger Aaron who's entering the the financial services industry, what would it be? It's funny because I was thinking about this recently. You have these moments and you're like, oh, how did I get here? You know, in a good way. Like, I am I love what I do. Uh, I feel so lucky and blessed to do it every day. So grateful. Got a fantastic team and a lot of great support. I think it's be patient. Like, continue to lean in. Learn as much as you can. Listen. One of the things that... I really love today. I have my team, my my direct leadership team in for um, an onsite and we're going to get together. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I'm not the smartest person in the room. It's surrounding yourself with fantastic people and really smart people who push you and the, the company and the team forward collectively. And so I think it would be the my advice would be listen and learn and surround yourself with amazing people. And I feel like luckily I've done most of that, but I think the really critical piece is be patient. I think in today's day and age, we all want it now. I mean, we live in the age of social media and direct consumption and all the things. And sometimes it's play the long game and don't worry so much about the short game. Patience is a virtue. The age old saying rings true. And I appreciate that and saying that evening out your team and making sure that all perspectives are there. And I'll add this, including the customer. I think that's a really critical one that we've talked about all day is critical to success in really any industry. So Aaron, thanks so much for your insights today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. This podcast is brought to you by Twilio Segment. In today's digital first economy, being data-driven is no longer aspirational. It's necessary. Segment's leading customer data platform empowers every team with good data. From marketing and product to engineering and analytics, 
Segment unifies data silos into a single view of the customer. It allows teams to make data-driven decisions and personalize customer engagement in real time, all with one single platform to collect and manage your data. Curious to find out why over 20,000 businesses trust Segment to be their data foundation? You can learn more by visiting segment.com.